Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Amanda Love, and I'm a registered holistic nutritionist who works with those with fibromyalgia. And today we have Pim on the show. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Amanda. I love being here. It's been so great to connect with you. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. So tell us, I always like to start with like, how did you get into your journey with health? <laughs> I, I, sometimes I think it was my friend because I had a friend when I, that I got to know when I was six years old and she was a type one diabetic and that kind of made me aware of diet and what impact that could have and because she always carried these glucose tablets and obviously being six years old we were very naughty and we used to eat them but <laughs> yeah growing up I, I I think as far as I can remember and that was previous to me being six years old I've always been addicted to sugar my mom used to hide the cookies in the top cupboard out of reach and she used to sleep in in the morning so I was up early and I was calming the chairs because I knew where they were and I knew right. that I could take one or two without her noticing, but I mean, she know, she knew what I was doing. <laughs> Sometimes I got away with it, but it's always been there and it's always been a problem for me, shall we say. So you, you knew very early, that's very early to know it. I don't know if I knew that there was, <laughs> I don't want to say something wrong with me because I, I think something right with me actually, <laughs> but right. uh, but that I was different, but you know, parents are like parents are, and they're like, can you stop eating? You're eating constantly. You always want food. What, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I'm hungry. I just want something. And that, so to me, it was, I don't know if I realized at that time that it was something strange going on. And I mean, this just escalated throughout my childhood, growing up throughout my teenage years the shop where two minutes from where I went to school and at least once a day we would go there and buy some chocolate and that was just part of the routine what we were doing me and my friends was it just a, like a habit that you or a comfort or I think it was a combination obviously I wanted it and the right. way that my behavior was such as I always wanted something and obviously I loved sugar in all its forms and they were up for it. So <laughs> it just happened. We just kept doing that. And I can see that how that is made even easier nowadays when they have like vending machines in schools and that sort of thing. And that's probably a little bit crazy because it's just enabling everyone to do it if they want to. Right. I mean, I don't know where, it, how it is where you are, but in the U.S. it's like, all the vending machines and soda machines it's crazy yeah i mean i'm in new zealand now but i'm, I'm swedish from the beginning so i grew up in sweden and I, i'm not sure i don't think they have vending machines but they always have like some cafe or something like that and i yeah. know my sister has two kids and what they are doing is they always have afternoon snacks and they're supposed to bring something with them whether that be like orange juice or some right. cookies and something for the afternoon snack and they just share it in the class and I think that's crazy because that just feeds that sort of behavior and the dependency on having something at that time of the day yeah and then there's holidays and stuff too I remember mm -hmm. 
high school and people would be bring sugar <laughs> and cookies. And this is only like, oh, I'm only 31. So it's like 11 years ago, but I mean, it's right. Yeah, that <laughs> it is crazy, but that's the society that we live in today. It's everything that we do is based around food in some sort of way. It's every, so we, hol- it's every holiday. It's everything. Instead of, yeah. instead of being focused on, well, what is that holiday for? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's very interesting that you say that because if we're focusing on what the holiday is for, it's not about the food. The food is just something that we have learned is a good thing to have because right? sometimes some holidays might have involved that for a very long period of time, but we create new ones just so that we can eat. <laughs> it feels like I mean, anyway. Uh, I mean, but, but, that's how that's I mean we have um so we celebrate Thanksgiving and stuff. Yeah. And for us it's like that's like the big food holiday. Yeah, absolutely. I think in Sweden it's probably more Christmas, but who knows? <laughs> we can probably invent something more. But I, what I wanted to say is that you brought up this aspect that is actually about something else. And when we socialize with other people, just when we're meeting friends, etc., it's always around food or drink. And if I if I tell a client of mine, for example, that you are <laughs> going to meet people and you're not going to eat, they don't know what to do. They feel lost. They feel like there is nothing to do then. What, what should I do if we're not eating? And it's not. To, to we have lost I, the sense of actually wanting to be there to connect with our friends when it should be about the connection with another person and not about just having food because <laughs> that is our I, focus well we're can yeah we're supposed to we should be connecting with the person instead we're like oh it's a fun thing to, I, it gets me away from work or it gets me away from out of the house so yeah. And, and it's interesting because there is some research on, I mean, some people say that it's an imbalance in your brain chemicals, et cetera, when you're addicted to foods, et cetera. But there is also a lot of research on the community aspect and connecting with other human beings. And that when we are missing that part, people do tend to become addicted to something, whether that is food or <laughs> drugs, gambling, sex, Facebook, you you name it, you know, you can be addicted to almost anything that will give you a dopamine hit. But when we are taking that away, which we are, and even more so now when everyone is in quarantine and we're not allowed to behave like we normally do, that might just escalate. And I'm I'm afraid that that is going to be a, a bigger problem in the future. And I think it's pretty big right now. I yeah, exactly what you said about it's probably it's probably a big thing right now because people are stuck at home. So mm. what else can they do? Exactly. And you know, that's what we do as humans, whether it's quite kind of funny because right. I never thought that I was an emotional eater. Um, right. but it, growing it, up it's, I was like it's sorry. It's very easy to do though, most yeah. Because I thought, you know, I'm not eating because I'm upset. I'm not eating because I'm depressed. I'm not eating because um, yeah. um, I can't handle work or something like that. But 
what when I'm eating is when I'm bored or when I want to procrastinate that sort of eating and I kind of realized that that's also emotions <laughs> I mean it's it's easy to do I mean yeah if you, you people always we all have food mm-hmm. probably too much food in the house and it's yeah. this and if it's there and if it's like sugar mm-hmm. then we're gonna want to go straight to the sugary thing instead of saying, oh, maybe I'm tired. Maybe I need a, what just happened in the last couple of hours to deal. What is like sending me towards that sugary food? Yeah, exactly. And something that we don't get taught in school is how to handle our emotions. I was just told, oh, yeah, suck it up. Or, oh, poor you. It's okay. Here, have a yeah, cookie. Yeah. That sort of thing. And that's not very helpful. Right? I think, yeah, we get told, well, here's a cookie. Or we get told, I I, I still remember, like, from childhood, there, I had a stepmom, and she'd be like, okay, you have to eat your salad, and then you have dessert. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't teach, I mean, that doesn't teach kids the right way. I mean... Oh, if you're reward, if you do something good, then you're rewarded yeah. with a cookie. Yeah, it's so easy though to reward anyone with food, because we will light up. As actually light up in in the brain region when you look at the brain when you are eating, you will see that a certain area of the brain lights up when you get food, and when you get sugary foods or m- most processed foods because they have. I mean, we have food scientists for a reason, and they just put together the right combination of fat and sugar and everything to make it as appealing as possible. And when that happens, you will see that that reward center just lights up. And there's a reason for that to be there. And that is to teach us that this food was good for us so that we will go and try and find it again, because that would have, back in the days, been very good for our survival and helped us survive and you know, our kids survive, etc., and just pass our genes on. So that's why I said in the beginning that I didn't realize something was wrong with me, but actually I think my brain is just very efficient. And that's why my genes are here today because my ancestors responded very well in that way. Well enough to get enough food and seek out the right foods or the wrong foods today, but then it would, be, would have been the right foods, the ones with a lot of energy, or nutrients, etc. And yeah. that doesn't really, we don't need that today. It's redundant in this society, unfortunately. But it's hard, it's hard though for like, especially if you have kids or like the parents to be like, oh, you can't have sugar because the schools are offering it. Mm, yeah, that is, a problem and I think the schools should be more neutral in that sense as in they should not be promoting anything that is unhealthy for the kids because I, I don't think there's anyone on this planet that would agree that sugar is healthy no so, nobody would but we're all no. but with they that's the the problem is they start it starts young um I have a sister and she eats organic and she's healthy at home, but she can't control what happens at the daycare. No. And, the, and that's crazy. And, and, and she, 
my niece is only two years old. So, yeah. And that's why some people just choose to arrange their childcare in a different way or homeschooling. And it's a little bit sad that it has to come to that. Yeah, it's, that's a sad thing we have to, our society. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, that, that behavior, when we do that with every single kid, how many food addicts are we going to have in 10, 15 years? Right. And then I think, I think we go straight to, well, it's our, if we're going for that sugar, it's emotional thing, but kids don't know that. No, and for some people, it's not necessarily emotional either. Some people just do it out of habit. Right. And they think that they are addicted to the foods, but when you actually address it, it's not that hard for them to quit. And I'm always amazed at those people because that was not me. (laughs) I'm like, wow, really? But I think most people have something. It's like, I don't have anything else. I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs, you know, but there's nothing else. No, no, I don't do any of those things either. So I've never been appealed by anything else either. It's just the sugar. It's not even you know, pizza, that sort of thing. That doesn't appeal to me that much at all. I can live without that and be happy. But it's the sugar that has always been kind of hooking me in and sweet-talking my brain, saying, oh, this right. is so nice. You should have a little bit more. <laughs> That's why it's hard. I, say, I, say, it's, I think for me personally, it's like it's better just not to have it around. Yeah, that's... But that's once, in, once cool. in a while, I'll have something. Yeah. And I, I am the same today because I can control now what I'm eating and how much I'm eating. But I didn't even think that that was a possibility for me before. Right. Because I've been trying to restrict and I'm just going to have this little bit and then I'm just ending up binging everything that I have because it's like, that, that does not work. And there are ways of dealing with that. So I, I think... Of, Previously, we spoke a little bit about the habit loop. So if I can just explain how that works so people understand how we can change things, because it's important that you know that there is a way of changing it and it's not actually that hard. So the habit loop is just a series of things that goes together. So in, in terms of being addicted to food, that would be some sort of food trigger, a thought that you have, that either precedes or come or turns up as a response of that trigger and then your actions. So that could be, for me, it was always having dinner. After dinner, I would always have cravings for something sweet. So every time I ate something, except for breakfast for some reason, it didn't apply it to breakfast, but lunch or dinner, that would trigger cravings in me and I would be thinking, mm, I need something sweet. And then I would go and sort that out. If I didn't have anything at home, I would go and buy it. Or worst case, if I couldn't be bothered going buy something, I would always bake something. (laughs) You know, it didn't matter to me. If it took two hours, I would just do it. (laughs) So that is a habit loop. But we have other habit loops as well. Like when you go to bed in the evening or before that, you think I'm going to go to bed 
you automatically go, you go brush your teeth. And that, all of that is a habit load. You just pick up the toothbrush, the toothpaste, put it on. You don't think about doing that. It's just an automatic response. And it's the same thing with having something sweet after dinner. It's an, right. It was an automatic response for me. It was something I was doing every day and I didn't have to think about it. It doesn't require any energy. And that's the thing with a habit loop is that we have the the primitive brain or the reptilian brain, it has many names, <laughs> you might recognize one or the other, but that one is only concerned with our survival and it will make everything as efficient as possible. So once you learn something, that one will kick in, take care of the process and you can do things and not know how you did them. So when you're driving to work, for example, sometimes, you know, you remember going into the car remember arriving at work but you barely remember anything from the journey and that's because everything is on autopilot so you don't even think about it and that's how you can end up eating a whole bucket of oreos or something you don't remember <laughs> eating them all but they're just gone because it just happens it's on autopilot so we need to interrupt here and do something different so the next time i'm having dinner for example so this trigger is still going to be there we can't change the trigger i'm always going to have dinner at some point <laughs> I can't stop eating. I have to be aware of what I'm doing. So when I think, oh, I need something sweet, I want to interrupt myself. And what I do is that I'm, I actually recommend every single client of mine to write this down because it helps disconnecting from the emotional aspect of it. So when you write down A, what you were thinking, <laughs> I want something sweet or whatever it is, and then B, how it feels in your body. For me, it's always a craving always starts with a little bit of salivation in, in my jaw. And it's really, really weird. I feel like uh, one of Pavlov's dogs because uh, <laughs> I just get the salivation. It's really strange. And, but some people feel it in their whole bodies. I have had clients that tell me that it feels like I'm possessed, like my whole body is kind of almost on edge and I just need to do something. So they have a whole body tension, but it might just be in your, in your solar plexus or somewhere else. And when you start writing that down and you kind of getting aware of what it is that is going on. So every time I feel that I start producing saliva, I'm like, okay, there's a craving somewhere. What's happening? <laughs> and then you can have a look at it. And what happens then is kind of magical. For me, it's kind of a short period of time. I'm like, oh, I'm having a craving and it's like I can't really grasp it and it just goes away which is like whoa how did that happen for some people especially in the beginning you might have to sit with that for five ten minutes sometimes sometimes shorter and it just depends on the person and obviously the day and sometimes I have to sit with them longer as well and it's strange but when you can do it and you can observe it from sort of outside your body when you can just write it down and you can look at it and you can be curious and almost look at it as a scientist, like what is happening here? Something's going on in this body and it's just a chemical reaction in that person's brain that makes them want to eat this rather than being like, oh my God, I need chocolate cake. Because <laughs> then you're so involved in it emotionally that there's no way that you're going to get out of it. Right. And where you can do that, you can just start... For me, I, I, pre I prefer to do nothing because that's easiest and just let the craving go away. But you can also choose to do something else. 
No, I, I've had one person tell me that, oh, I'm taking a hot bath whenever that happens. And I'm like, I would have 20 baths a day. I can't do that. So it has to be something that you can kind of do every single time. Right. Whether that be like, okay, I'm going to go and do three push-ups or uh, take a walk around the house or whatever it is. I, I prefer to do nothing because that's most convenient. And then I can just continue with my day as soon as it's over. But when you can start doing that, you will create a new habit loop. So you have the craving and then you will notice the craving and what thoughts you're having. And as a response, you will do this new behavior, which is nothing, push-ups, whatever. And now it's just a matter of repetition. It's a skill like any other skill. For some reason, we don't think that skills that are in our brain needs to be practiced. It's not like you would pick up a guitar and be a pro playing guitar in a week's right. time. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with this. You need to practice this. So every single time you have a craving, if you can write it down, you got one practice in and you want practice closer to your new automatic behavior. And it doesn't have to take as long as you might think that it does. It's more about being present and really being into what you're doing and doing it correctly that will um, strengthen this brain pathway. And when you can do that, you can actually eventually stop thinking about it because every time you have the trigger, you get that thought and you know, I'm not going to do anything. And you go on with your day and you can start doing it automatically. So it's kind of magic. It's awesome. <laughs> and everybody could do it, it sounds like. And it's, yeah. I like how you said you just have to you have to sit with it and be present. I think a lot of times when we have cravings, mm. we're, we're not going to, we're just going to go straight to the chocolate or straight yes. to, right to the sugar and not actually sit and think about, oh, why am I doing this? Exactly. Because it's uncomfortable to sit with it. <laughs> we don't want to do that. No. Right. It's, we don't want to do anything that is uncomfortable. And I'm guilty of this. I think almost all my clients are guilty of this. But once you've done it a few times, you're like, yeah, I got it. And then you stop writing it down and then you fall back in again because all of a sudden you're trying to do it in your brain. But when you keep it in your brain, you're still going to be emotionally connected. So when you get it out on a piece of paper you get, or on your computer or whatever you want to write it on, it's like you can see it. Right. You're not in it kind of outside of it and I think that is the big difference so whenever I stop actually writing it down I'm always at risk of falling back in until it's automatic obviously I'm not having to do that for the rest of my life but it might be that someday I might have to do it again because I got lazy with it so and it's the same thing if you are playing the guitar if you're not thinking about what you're doing even if you're really good at it you're going to make mistakes Right. And we have to kind of recognize that that is a reality and not put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect all the time. Yeah, there's something to be said about just writing things down, whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and most people think that, well, I don't have to do that. I don't have to write it down anymore. <laughs> yeah, we get, we, get, we get very lazy. We're yeah. like, I don't have to write down. Yeah. I mean, I had a client very recently who um, 
I have a, like a video course that I'm giving to all my clients so that I don't have to teach them how all of this works and then we can spend the time coaching. And he said, yeah, I haven't really done any of the exercises. I kind of thought I was above all of that, but I'm going to go back now and do it all. And this was after six weeks together. So it took him six weeks to kind of actually do the work because he thought that I'm actually better than this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's interesting because most people do that. But he, he took a bit longer than most people. <laughs> so do you find people, like, when they're dealing with this type of thing, is there something behind why they're reaching for that chocolate or what? Oh, I have such a mix of clients. So I've, the easiest ones to work with are the ones that are doing it mostly out of habit because we can change that very quickly and they don't struggle so much. And, you know, when they slip up, they come to me and it's like, oh, it was Halloween. And I accidentally stuck the my hand into the candy bucket and ate one and I didn't even think about it. And then I realized, <laughs> and, and that's fine because that's not going to happen again. And that's why when we make mistakes, we can learn from them. And right. now she's aware of what she was doing. So she's not going to do that again. Because the next time she sticks the, her hand into the candy bucket, she goes, oh, no, I know what I did last yeah. time. Right. But then we have people like the guy I just told you about. And he there's a lot of work behind all of that. And I think there's a lot of self-loathing, not, you know, when you're trying to change something, you need to learn to love yourself because you can't stop eating when you despise yourself. You need to find a place where you want to take care of yourself. So he would do well for a while and then he would just go into a very dark place. So a lot of the coaching that we have done is not just on the cravings because what he needs is more coaching to kind of get past the the other parts that are holding him back the the real reason for why he is eating because now it's like he knows now what to do but he's not doing it well he is intermittently <laughs> so yeah it's it's very very different and i had another woman last end of last year and i don't know i i i asked her to take a break because her dad was very ill and was about to pass away and I said wow. hey I don't think you can do this at the same time so when you're in a, such a space you really shouldn't be taking on this work because it is a lot of work and you need to be emotionally at least stable <laughs> or or committed to the process so that you can focus on this one thing but when you have a near family member is very ill yeah that's you probably should be first. yeah and what is what's going to happen then is that you're going to do it a little bit and then you're going to fail because there's so much else going on and that's not helpful to you at all there's a lot of stress yeah, yeah you, you're just going to think oh well I can't do it I'm just a failure when there's so many other things going on in your life so you need to choose the right place to start as well unfortunately she didn't want to postpone it so we kept working but I actually extended her coaching her dad passed away she was away for a month and then I said hey I want to extend your coaching a little bit and I didn't charge her for it but 
I kind of wanted to give her the results that I had promised her and I know she can do it and it was like she had learned everything that we did in in the previous months and it was all of a sudden she could implement it and that was like magic and it was so good to see and so so good to work with her so yeah there are lots of reasons for why people kind of overeat but a lot of the time it has to do with loneliness anxiety self-loathing that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so do you teach your clients like what you show them maybe where they need to improve on in that area well yes so that's where the coaching comes in I guess but we always explore like okay so you did go and eat this why what happened right were you thinking how were you feeling at the time so that I can kind of start sussing out what it what's going on because they don't always know what's going on so I had to ask all these questions and they're like well I don't know I just ate and I was feeling down and and then when you start digging it's like well you know I'm living on my own and I'm you know I haven't seen any friends for a week because of the lockdown whatever it is and you're like okay so then we have somewhere to start and right. when, once you start there you can st- either you will notice that there is a lot more underneath and then you have to go into that like I've had clients that have underlying trauma from 10 years back when her her son suddenly passed passed away and yeah. She's still not over that. And that's understandable. I don't think it's something that you will get over, but you will need to process it. She hadn't processed it. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. That's not my job. But right. in the end of it, she was like, you have helped me much more than five years of therapy. And that's kind of like heartwarming. I'm like, oh, my God. That's, that's Then I start crying. Helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, so, that's so sweet. And I, just being a life coach, you know, and helping people with cravings and you can do all of these things because there's so much underneath and I don't think you can just find one thing there's so many different people so many different reasons for why they're not feeling good yeah it's it's hard to pinpoint and we're in a crazy world right now where yeah we 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 are not connecting with people as much exactly but she's doing well now, and I think we, we it was over a year since we had our last coaching session, and she's still doing really well. So, I mean, it works when, you, when you're actually committing to it. Yeah, and that's that's the thing you have to commit. Yeah. So, so that's another thing. It's like when, whenever I get a client, I'm always screening them. I'm, I'm being quite harsh. I'm like, okay do you have the time to commit to this? Do you, is this what you really want? Because you are going to have to spend 10 or 12 weeks focusing on this entirely. Like this has to be your primary focus. It doesn't take a lot of time each day, but it does right. take you to, you need to still focus on it. So whenever you have a craving, can you take the time, just a few minutes to observe what's going on, write it down and work through that craving. And it's not that much time. No, it it's isn't. Your, your whole life and everything. Well, exactly. And how much time do we spend on 
Facebook and social media. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm scared sometimes when my phone says, your screen time last week was up with 20%. I'm like, oh my God, that's not good. <laughs> and then I know that I really, I'm really on my phone way too much. And that's probably not great. I'm, I'm wasting a lot of time doing that. And that's the case for most people. So we just need to prioritize, like, what, what do you want? And why do you want to stop having these cravings for whatever food it is? Do you have a reason that is strong enough? If it's like, well, I want to fit in my bikini next summer, I pretty much know that that person is maybe not that committed. And I'm like, well, maybe you're not ready for this yet. Yeah, this- that's superficial. I mean, that even if you got to that goal, you'd probably still not be happy with your body. Yeah, and you can do it with willpower and we're not doing things with willpower. And that's the difference. Yeah. Like when you do something with willpower, it's like you're suppressing all those feelings. You're just pushing them away right. so that you can do what you need to do. And eventually that bubble is going to burst and just come back with a vengeance and you're going to be off binging. That always happens. And that's why we want to sit with a feeling and just allow it to be there. Where you could just allow it yourself to be uncomfortable with that craving without doing something, that's when you're gonna have success. And that's it's I don't know, it's like a bittersweet victory because it's really uncomfortable, but then you're like, yes, I did it. <laughs> and we need and it and we need little victories right now. Yeah, absolutely. We need to celebrate these victories, especially right now. Oh, yes. And with some clients, like the guy I just told you about, I have him, or I tried to have him anyway, tell me, one, like text me one thing every day that he had achieved, that he was proud of having done that day, whether that's actually staying away from sugar or something else, just to get his mindset into a more, like seeing his own progress. Right. So much of the time, we just forget that we are actually doing things that moves us towards our goal every single day and we just see all the things that we haven't done and everything that was wrong with the day right and i'm trying to bring that out in people so that you can see oh actually i did all of these things this week now i have at least seven things this week that i did to move me closer to my goal it's pretty cool because if i keep doing this where am i going to be in a year's time right i think it's small baby i always say small little steps yeah I think that I think people don't think about they don't realize how much they've done in a year yeah absolutely and that's one of the magic things with writing things down (laughs) can you write either if you can't be bothered doing it on a weekly basis uh, on a daily basis doing on a weekly basis just write down what did I achieve during this week that I'm proud of or that has helped me, etc. I'm actually doing that and it's quite helpful. I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. I had forgotten about that. And it yeah. just helps your brain being like in a positive state and feeling as if you can achieve things. Yeah, I I I write things down because you on it's you you can't remember everything that you've done in a month. No. You probably rarely remember what you did the day before if you're super busy. Yeah. So checking it off or looking back every week, taking time every week to look back, it's great. Because then you're yeah. like, 
for when those days you don't do as much, you're like, well, look at what else I did the other five days of the week. Yeah, and to be honest, do we need to achieve something every single day? No. 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 We just need those baby steps, one step at a time. And saying that, I mean, even just allowing one craving a day is taking you one baby step closer to your goal. And it takes you a few minutes. So why wouldn't you? Your primitive brain is going to tell you, no, that's not a good idea because that's uncomfortable and we're going to (laughs) die. Okay, so you better just have the sugar. But that's not the case. We know better. (laughs) Do you find, yeah, do you find people, a lot of people that come to you are like pretty addicted to having sugar at least every day? Um, Yeah, most people do. I have had people addicted to sweeteners. A couple of people have come to me because they've been keto for a long time, but now they're addicted to keto treats and all the sweeteners. And whereas that might be better for your blood sugar, some sweeteners are really not very good health-wise, excuse me. Right. And... um, I just stay away from them. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the best thing to do. But the problem here is that no matter what you're addicted to, that is going to take up a lot of brain space and a lot of your attention. I know for me, it's like I can't do anything for more than 10 minutes without thinking about food or when I'm going to go cook or when what I'm going to shop or if I have any sweets and what do I have in the fridge? What do I have in the cupboard? Maybe I should go have a look. It's constant. It's just these thoughts going on and on and on. And when I can not have that going on in my brain, I get so bloody effective. I, I get things right? done. I, I get so many hours back every single day that I can actually achieve something that I want to do rather than just think about something to eat. Yeah, I, I think we're programmed. We're like, oh, what's for dinner? What's for <laughs> lunch? I mean, I mean, that's why it's sort of nice if it's like prepped ahead of time, then you don't, you're just like, oh, okay, it's lunchtime. Okay, then I have this in the fridge. Yeah. And since you're saying that, I mean, one of the tools that I'm using is actually planning. Yeah. You have your prefrontal cortex in your brain is the, the part of the brain that is for planning and for making rational decisions, etc. And that's the part of the brain that usually says, of course, I shouldn't eat sugar because that will make me sick or whatever right. it is, whatever your reason is. But that one is kind of disengaged when the primitive brain kicks in and you're not actively using it. But when you use your prefrontal cortex to plan every day, and you can plan it in as much or little detail as you want. So you can plan all your meals. You can just plan largely what sort of foods. But what I use it for with my clients is that today we're planning for whether we are having something sugary or whatever it is that they're addicted to tomorrow. And if I have a craving today and I'm like, oh, my God, I just need to eat this. I'm always saying, no, I'm not going to have that today. I'm going to plan on it and I'm going to have it tomorrow. And then it's okay. That way I don't never have to restrict myself. I don't have to feel as if I'm missing out or being treated unfairly or whatever it might be that we usually get. Or like, oh, my God, poor me. Everyone else can have that, but not me. Yes, I can. 
but not as a response to a craving. I can have it tomorrow. And then it's not as exciting. So sometimes people don't really want it. It doesn't sound exciting when when you say, well, you can have it tomorrow. Yeah. So I go and buy it. I mean, in the beginning, I, I went to buy it. I didn't want it. And I ate it just because it was there. And I had said that I can have it. And that's what an addict does. <laughs> it's like, right. it's there. I don't really want it, but it's sugar and I'm going to eat it. But eventually you get to a place where you're like, well, I don't have to eat it. I can plan on having it for the weekend or whatever. It's not super exciting anymore. You can still have it and you can enjoy it guilt-free. Yeah. I, I love that the whole thing about guilt-free. Yeah. If you're going to have it, then exactly. don't beat yourself up about it. So I recently had someone who was going to a wedding. And or recently, I say, it was probably six months ago. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it feels like it was very recent. And we were planning this for a long time. And I had to work with her on... She had a lot of resistance to saying that she... You know, she was like, oh, I'm going to just have one glass of champagne and I'm going to have just one bite of this. And I'm like, do you think you can do that? And it, there was a lot of doubt there. And I was like, you know, the better thing is for you to do is to plan to have whatever you want. It's a wedding. It's a one off. It's not going to happen all the time. It's not, like, it's not a, like an everyday thing. Exactly. And if you have planned on having however much you want of whatever you want, you can't fail. Because otherwise she's going to go there and like, oh, I really do want two glasses of champagne and then I'm going to fail and she's going to beat herself up about it. It's not worth it. Like, Go there and enjoy it. If you think that it's not going to be a problem to just have one glass and one slice of cake or whatever, then by all means plan for that. That's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. But you have to be confident that you can do it because we don't want to plan for something and then fail with the plan. We want to be able to stick to the plan. You, It's better for you to plan, like, tomorrow I'm going to eat a whole chocolate cake, <laughs> okay? And then I just eat half. That's fine. Rather than planning for having a third of that and then eating half because then I've failed. And I am going to beat myself up about that. Oh, my God, I planned. I couldn't do it, etc. It's always better to kind of over plan and then when you can do some mindful eating and actually be aware of what you're doing, you're paying attention, you will notice when you are satisfied, when you have had enough of that chocolate. For me, it's usually around six, five, six bites when it's like, oh, this is nice, this is nice, this is nice. Oh, God, now it starts to taste very sugary and it's not nice anymore. And at that point, we really should stop. And the addicted brain is saying, no, no, you shouldn't stop. But when you actually pay attention to how, what it tastes like, you're like, yeah, I really should stop because this isn't even nice. The only thing that is nice is that it gives you that reward in your brain. Like the whole brain is lighting up because you're getting dopamine. But your taste buds are like, no, it's not good anymore. So when we can kind of move there, you're going to notice that you can start eating more like I say a normal person but I don't think that there are many people that eat like a normal person a very few of them (laughs) yeah I I find people say to me well I eat healthy and I'm like what does that even mean right yep that means different things to different people yeah 
and most of the time people are probably having that sugar yeah absolutely and, and you, something sorry go on no go ahead <laughs> something that is a bit crazy is that uh, i can't remember how many years ago now but i lived in the uk for 10 years and they came out with this food plate and included in there was 10% of your daily intake can be sugar and it was part of the plate and I'm like what are you what? doing <laughs> why would you incorporate that there because that looks to me like 10% should be sugar I mean the text said it can be but when you have it on the plate it to me looks like it should be and will probably be interpreted like that by many people like oh it's fine it's on the on the healthy eating plate or whatever they call it right I think sugar is such addicting a thing. But do you find people, once they like start to change, it's like they don't have it as much, maybe weeks or months, they could go out? Yeah, um, I, I've had several months where I've been like, <sighs> Really thinking about it it's it's really really strange and I'm and I know that if I think about it I can plan on having it whenever I want to so as long as I don't want it I'm not going to do it and that's kind of freedom it, it's amazing and but it's a process that everyone has to go through I'm, I'm not following most of my clients for several years obviously but I can tell you about one uh, guy that I had and he was really struggling because we call it the river of misery, but <laughs> you have, you, you kind of, first you decide what you're going to do and then you manage to do it and you're going to be in the river of misery. And that's when all the happy brain chemicals that you used to get from food, they right. are depleted in your brain. So you're going to feel depressed because you're not going to get that hit and the receptors for those are not, responding the way that they should be doing to normal food yet so you're not getting any satisfaction from eating any you know real food or very little so little that you barely notice and everything's going to feel gray and dull and this can go on for like several weeks and he was coming back to me every week and I was like oh it's shit house <laughs> I don't like this the world is awful and I'm just fighting with my wife and he was never fighting with his wife. And I was like, no, just hang on, you know, <laughs> it will happen. You're doing really great. Don't give up now because once you throw, you throw. And then he came back to me one week, finally. I was like, please, please let him be there. <laughs> I'm kind of sitting there like, oh, I hope he's right. kind of past now because he was doing so well. But I started to feel like he's almost stopped believing in the process. Mm -hmm. And he comes back and it's like, yeah, we were eating it. A family dinner with his wife's parents and they had cake and he was just like I don't want it and he was sitting there and just feeling really empowered by how we didn't want it anymore and feeling the this kind of weird happiness about where he was in life and just enjoying it being really content and at peace with his food choices and feeling good about everything and I, I just, I, I get goosebumps yeah. now when I'm talking about it because I just remember when he told me about it. And then the same guy, he's, he struggled so much with just going to the cinema and not eating popcorn with his wife. And like, you need to watch a movie with your wife, not to eat popcorn. Right. 
it's like we had so many great breakthroughs uh him and i and it's yeah but once you throw the river of misery you you're really out on the other side and you don't want to go back so it's fine if you continue making mistakes because you will everyone will and um, you might fall off the wagon but the most important thing is that you figure out why that happened so yeah. that you can prevent it from happening again and then the next day you're back on track again so that you don't end up with a week-long binge because that is probably going to get you back on the other side of the river of misery and you will have to go through it again and that is mentally very challenging so it's just using these tools consistently and ongoingly if something happens and just make the commitment that make a commitment to acknowledge your cravings and sit with them and then whenever you do something that you think that you shouldn't have been doing kind of dig into it figure out why that happened and learn from it and then use planning so that you don't beat yourself up because we have to do this from a place of loving ourselves and being kind to ourselves it doesn't work when you're trying to whip yourself into place i think most of us have tried that <laughs> i think i think we all have done that yeah for sure right. but, oh my god you're so fat you really shouldn't be eating this how is that going to help no it's not going to help you at all <laughs> no and yeah. then you're going to feel even worse and then you want some sugar then, to make up I for think it you're going to go straight to the ice cream yeah it's like, oh my God, poor me. I'm just such a failure. I need some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't really work. <laughs> no. So is there one tip that, that people should start with? Yeah. I start be with being aware of what's going on. Like what are your yeah. triggers and what are you thinking? And then how does that feel in your body? Those are the three things that you kind of need to pay attention to, to start with, to be able to sit with those cravings. That's and great. everyone, can, yeah, everyone can start there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. If you're not aware of what's going on, <laughs> how are you going to change it? Right. So where can everybody find you? Oh, so if they want to discuss their cravings if someone wants my help what they can do is that they can send me an email at pim at smartdiabeticsacademy.com and uh, i also have a facebook group if you are diabetic but i don't know if that is the case for most of your listeners but you can send me an email anyway and i have a, a facebook group for cravings which is called life without cravings so you can just go there and uh, apply and I will let you in. Thank you. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation. Well, thank you. It was brilliant to be here and I hope that this helps some of your followers or maybe you, but you're also good already. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. <laughs>